Ever. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> In what way? Sort of. Oh, welcome to the Dresden Files podcast, the only Dresden Files podcast called the Dresden Files podcast we know of. And uh, we're going to be going over changes. We're going to be going over changes today, a little book called Changes. Uh, it is number 12 in the series of novels called the Dresden Files. Yes. What they uh they EG oh, what chapter are we Benjamin on? change? Sorry. Wow. I do change all the time. Oh man. <laughs> love <laughs> pouring out. <laughs> well, just just the love. Uh so what chapter are we on? Are we in 60 already? Is that it? Yes. Of uh, the of Peace Talks, yes. Peace Talks is on 60. chapter 60. So far easily the longest by chapters and certainly the longest by words at this point. Well, so pretty eventually, exciting. but I think it's still behind on words. But I think 60 came out like a week or so ago. April 25th. Yeah, we're a little overdue at this point. Well, we're three years overdue by It's been three years? You started <laughs> being able to do like a chapter every four days or so. And then yeah, but then that weekend was Easter. Yeah. And then this past weekend, everyone and their mother had a communion. So maybe he was busy. Right. There, there was something else I thought, I thought Priscilla had. Cinco de Mayo. He could be out partying right now. You don't know. Right. Oh, yeah. Why aren't we drinking? No, just kidding. Anyway. Um, I got a fridge behind me. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm in the rails, man. Like, at this point, I'm you know, we've had too many. It's going to be out in six weeks. It's going to be out in two months. It's going to be whatever, man. It Just get it done. It's cool. Uh, yeah, I, you know, we, had we, we got our 10-year payoff. We were in the seat the whole time, except for the director, because she's, you know, I don't even know anymore. Not a real person. But yeah. I was going to say something even more harsh than that somehow, but yeah. Um, a no, DC fan? <gasps> Ooh. No. no. Aquaman was mostly okay. So yeah, it was. Shazam. They, definitely, Shazam was fine. Definitely the best DC movie I've seen so far. Well, yeah, Aquaman was almost a Marvel movie because, you know, they followed yeah. the same. So it all, it worked, but anyway, yeah, I chapter 60 were good. He's got, you know, 10 more until I'm right. So I'm, I'm content to wait. Or if he says the end, then I'm wrong and we get our book that much sooner. So. Well, yeah. Priscilla did say on the subreddit that he took a few days to write a short story for an anthology. Oh. No. Uh, yeah, really it's nice. a, a short story of anthology for local authors or to uh, Priscilla's uh, common stream. She, that's one of the things she said a couple days ago. Do we know it was Dresden related or just in general? It's an, he, it's an anthology of local authors, so not necessarily. Right. So no confirmation as to what it is, just that he's doing it. So he was working on something, and he'll sure. be back working on Peace Talks. Uh, actually, he was back working on it yesterday. So he just took a couple days to write, write, write something else, take a little bit of a breather. Well, and it's just crazy because, you know, he seems to hate writing the short stories, so... <laughs> So yay! You couldn't tell by the fact that there's two books worth of them, right? Well, I mean, but just look at his Q and As. You know, people are like, "Would you write this short story? Would you write that?" And he's like, "Dude, like briefcases is the it. I'm not doing any more. I wrote this yeah. short story here, until know? I do." When he right. was talking about briefcases, people ask, "Would you write this thing? That would be really hard for you to do." And he's like, "Damn it! Now I have to." Right. Yeah, well, it's funny, too, because what's the worst is that he doesn't have a backlog now, right? So now if he writes one single short story, he now has to write a whole book's worth. That's that's the deal, man. That's what you've done to yourself. So, yeah. oh, It could just be a different setting entirely. Maybe Codex Alera content. but uh, yeah, Or it could just be something completely How long has since Codex Alera came out, actually? 
So Come Ben on. and two other fans are going to be really happy about that. So I'm sorry. One of them is the director. All right, I'm going to force this to, is... to focus. <laughs> this episode's going to be long enough without this side nonsense. Yeah, because one, we're going to cuss a whole bunch. We're going to spoil absolutely everything. So if you haven't been following along, I feel the need to tell you to stop. This this is like, you know, Endgame. I was going to say, we might spoil things for Endgame and Game of Thrones, too. Just pay attention. Oh, yeah. I probably <laughs> would spoil something for Game so, of Thrones if you pissed me off enough. Okay, so look, don't <laughs> do that on purpose try not to be like that i mean the statute of limitations but if you really want zero chance that it gets spoiled like everybody but the director's seen it i think so you know we won't, I, we won't spoil in game we can we can manage that i think because i think like the statute of limitations, limitations not out on that but right. game of thrones is coming out like in yeah in a few hours, hours. That is, the statute of limitations is the day yeah, that's done the next day i still know the next the spoilers episode. so test me how it's not like he's written the book yet like it's from the because future. there are leaks that's how they're fake leaks now, right? No. They leaked season seven. So now, anyway, on track. <laughs> changes. On track. Changes. Right. We're going Gary to attempt to get back together. We're, we're going to attempt to get top. through to chapter 28. I sincerely doubt we will do that. So we're going to go as long as we can. Okay, so chapter one, Harry as a kid. Harry, you have a daughter. You fucking what? We'll, we'll talk more later. Bye. You right. want my I still right. remember the first time I listened to that to changes the first opening scene. I like I just had to pause. I was like, "What?" Yeah. Did it give you the vapors? And then if I if I followed up with that fucking bitch, I think nice. Whatever I, everyone yeah. who who might have been on Susan's bandwagon at that point was like, "No, no, we're we're good, we're done." Yeah, I think. Changes sucker punched me and then kept just keeping me off balance the whole time the first time through. So because my second reread or like my second read through was much more fulfilling where it was like, oh, man, Harry's a total badass. Look at all the cool things he did that I don't remember, because the whole time I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then they blew up his what? And then they smashed his what? And then they broke his what? Are you kidding me? You know, so burned the what now? Man. Yeah, yeah so much most of the things and most of that all happens uh, in these first 28 chapters. It's just raising everything to the ground and it's wonderful. Yeah, I would say just the first wonderful. half of this book is definitely the death portion of a rebirth cycle. Yeah, it's, it was, uh, I yeah. wouldn't say oh. you know, I, because I went to college to... and I know how to bullshit my way through papers. <laughs> that's, a, that's definitely a good way to say it. I, it feel, that made me feel like this is like the, like the end of like a saga almost and we're taking and then the beginning of a new one would you say like that this whole book the end of the world of warcraft anyway um sorry really south park nobody that's the one episode i've seen i get to quote that one. Seen, <laughs> i don't i don't i don't remember other than mom okay. bathroom wow <laughs> that's like and really changes by jim butcher susan's a bitch we've talked about this it's not okay to have a kid and then hide it from your your person, you know, I guess significant other, whatever. Hide it from the dad. And then, and then to top it all off, come and say, oh, by the way, come save her now because, you know, I got some poor Mexican. I misplaced our daughter. And, you know, they were eaten. And, I mean, come on. Like, to jump out of this a little bit, I mean, she went through some shit. Like, she had to put together that family again, like a jigsaw puzzle. But... You know, it's just like, wow. 
you know, you can't just do that to people. And if you do, you're an asshole. So there you go. Yeah, it's decisions of her own making. She wanted to go to a party and get a scoop. She wanted to leave and deal with this on her own. She wanted to hide Maggie. So it's in 100% her fault. I don't want to hear any sympathy for her from anyone. I no, mean, Jimmy, there was a hard choice. I mean, thing. you can you can feel you can feel sorry for her. It's a tough situation she's she's been put in. Even if a lot of it is by her own decisions, you can still have empathy for her. I still think she's a bitch and she did the wrong thing. To be fair, though, Dresden literally was in control when the conception happened. So you know, there it does take two to tango, and he was you know the wizard in charge at that point. But but other than that. You know, he, like, was the, he was the he was the wizard in charge because someone made a bet with the author. Well, that, <laughs> that's why. I mean, let's not get meta with this. We're talking in world, you know. Like, if we're gonna blame her for decisions, like she's terrible because of the author. Like, obviously, <laughs> so that's true too. Jim's the cause of and solution to all of our problems for that. So, anyway, um, okay. So she's a bitch. Harry gets busy like immediately. Not that kind of busy. He gets he starts building shit like immediately, right? To oh, he gets a drink first. Oh, he goes, yeah. he goes to uh, Macanally's first. Okay, that's fair. So he he goes to Macanally's. Mac pours himself a drink because that's how heavy it is, and then he speaks like two sentences all together. This mm -hmm. is by far the most we've heard Mac speak. Yeah, yeah. which Wild. says something because he says quite a bit in one of the side stories too, right? So um, I think it's the one with the the. Grendel. Yeah. Right. That was the one that I was thinking. Oh, the, so. the media. It, he says something like, Harry, I need your help, which is still like a lot for him. But I mean, changes obviously is like... I think that was the opener of that story too, wasn't it? It was like Max said a full sentence to me and how it's how I knew this was serious or something. Right, right. Yeah. And here, like, this, like, this is going to test you. Like, this is where you found, find out where you, who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that makes me think you know, he's somewhere on the white gods team, like as much as people talk about other, you know, mythologies and stuff like that. But he's very, that's a very like Uriel thing to say, right? Like to me, it's just like, you know, this is going to test you more than ever. And he's just very like eloquent for a guy who doesn't talk. <laughs> for some that. reason, when listening to it this time around, I felt more certain he was from the Celtic pantheon. But I can't like, definitively say why except for thinking that he had to have gone through something similar which mm. generally wouldn't have happened if he's uriel or the equivalent of sure sure well because i mean I've, I've seen all sorts of crazy theories but i mean could he be you know could he be one of the uh, uh tamlin or whatever you know something like that yeah you know, where some, he, so the, the problem is it just seems like he's got very specific imagery that kind of hints at it it's like so you got one of two things either the guy is literally mr clean blank slate to avoid giving you any hint fucking whatsoever of who he is or the squeaky clean literally mr clean image all white the apron never gets dirty that's the hint you know and like who from mythology fits that you know like that's that's kind of my thing like Pull out all those Celtic guys. Which one of those guys didn't get their hands dirty or their cap dipped in blood or, you know, like anything like that. That's why, you know, it's stuff like that. And just like he's worried about Harry losing himself. He's not worried about like 
hey, congratulations, I had a kid, or, you know, a hundred other things he could have that reaction. He knows immediately Harry's in the shit, and it's going to be a bad thing because he knows Harry, right? So I don't know. And that's my vote, but who did you think? Did you have a guess, you know, from... No, you just no, it's those? just like... He's not, he's the way he's talking about it of like, you're going to understand what lines you'll be willing to cross. Right. Because now you're, you're at the point you need to make that decision. That's something personal. That's not something from the perspective of Uriel being worried about someone's freedom of choice. Right. I just, here's, go ahead, Andres. I just, whoever he is, I feel like it's just, it's going to be connected to him being really good at brewing brews and owning a bar. It's going to be something. He's gonna have that aspect of his whatever he is, almost for sure, right? Sure. Let me let me split one other thing because this this just came and hit me hard, right? If he's old world, if he's mythology, he's doing it wrong, right? Like think about everybody else that we've seen from that world, even mm -hmm. even Vaterung to a level. Mac is in the service industry. He's done favors for Harry. He can't be a fairy or any of these creatures from mythology. Right. Like He's uh, out. Well, yes, but I mean, they literally physically cannot be a, apart from their nature. So right. that's why I feel like either the fallen angel or something along those lines makes a little bit more sense. I mean, you he know? doesn't have to be a fairy to be from the Celtic pantheon. But all of the old world creatures are like this on some level. Like for fairies, it's like a psychotic compulsion, right? But, you know, like what other Celtic creatures? Like well, even I mean, Vaterung in this book, he, he just you know, gives information. He's not extracting a bargain at all. Because Vaterung's not a fairy. I don't know, man. Like it's. Mm, but he yeah. kind of is. No, he is a Norse god. He wears a mantle of a fairy every once in a while. Right. right. But, but like he is an old world god and he okay. did not need to extract a bargain to give information about Chichen Itza. Right. But again, because at that point he was a mortal. So I think Vaterung is the persona he has when he's mantleless. Or Odin mm -hmm. follows different rules in general. Well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's just, I mean, because in that same yeah. scene, which we're skipping ahead to, but I mean, he crushes him with his will. He's clearly still supernatural at that point. Vaterung, to me, is just a name. Yeah, I know people say he's like three separate people, but no, it's Vaterung is Odin. Step, he couldn't interfere directly because this was a mortal matter. Sure. Okay. Which then we find out he does anything. But under the guise of being immortal. But, I mean, Like mortal, he took on that identity. Yeah, but mortal in the, he's mortal in the sense that he can be killed, but he's still a god. He's not, you know, he doesn't get like necessarily the same kind of free will that Harry does. I mean, he's got it to a greater extent than someone like Mab, of course. He can do pretty much what he wants, but he's, you know, still a god. All right, so we didn't get very far in that debate then because still Norse or Greek god is up there then. And I mean, well, they interfere. I mean, they're, they're inter especially the Greeks, interfere in human life all the time. That seems like something that would be easily. Yeah. Right. If, if, if he follows the pattern, pattern, we we, ha we haven't seen that many gods from the same pantheon yet. It's usually different pantheons when there are godlike beings. So right. I don't, oh, yeah, I, don't I don't know if he's going to do a repeat performance. We've only seen so many. I mean, we're going to get a big hit with them in in Team Heel Turn. Mm -hmm. 
after Mirror Mirror. So we'll we'll see what the gods do then, I guess. But we have we've only yeah, seen so far when he sended us one. He could have chosen, you know, the god of death for Norse mythology if he wanted to for skin games. You could have made that work. And that hell. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, it's hell, and uh, there's there's one for the. Is it free? No. It's like. It's like hell is for like all the people who didn't die in battle. Then there's Valhalla for the people who died in battle. But there's also like a good place for people who didn't die in battle. That's not hell. Yeah, there's a lot of afterlives, but then there's like the god of death, which was, I believe, hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Right. So 17 minutes into recording and we're not even through chapter one. Really? Chapter two. That's all chapter one? All yeah. Right. And uh, to, to finish up, because it's always fun, Mac takes bones and meat and water to Mouse, who is guarding the door. Like, physically walks it over to Mouse as a sign of respect. Right. What the fuck does that mean? Right. Means he's a well, dog person. That's a mountain <laughs> ice demon. Yeah. Okay. Chapter two. <laughs> Susan arrives. That big. Oh, okay. <laughs> Harry, but Harry got busy in the meantime. He cleaned up. He built some shit. You know, whatever, which probably turns out to be the potions of flying, it's my bet, but maybe he did those um, later. No, I so. think he, he did those later as a note. Um, I get he did say to yeah. Molly that he did try to do tracking spells right. or like punch the um, punching bag with his rings on and stuff, right? Yeah, That's he true. was filling up his rings and he was cleaning to make the apartment nice out of habit and presumably also angry though, too busy, brood, Terry, brooding, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you want to do after getting news like that. You want to punch a punching bag. Right. So, but yeah, the main thing in this chapter is him uh, meeting up with Susan and yeah. describing her to those who maybe don't remember her or need the reminder. Yeah, he also, like, just, like for the people who's read all of the books, I guess, like, he makes very clear you know, she's not changed at all. She's uh-huh. immortal. Well, yeah. She's functionally immortal. Yeah. She, you know, what? doesn't age, doesn't uh, doesn't get sick type Is deal. That the definition of immortal. I didn't. No, see because there's a true immortal, like a fairy queen, which is a true immortal. You can't kill them, but for certain place or condition, which even then technically is not immortal. But functional immortals, you know, like a vampire or a normal she, that you can still kill them dead if you do enough damage, but they won't ever age. They won't get sick and mm-hmm. die. Tolkien elves. Yeah. yeah. Lord of the Rings. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so the very first thing they do, though, after they, they chat, I mean, do we worry about do we worry about the conversation? All do we want to talk about him talking to her? her I, yeah. I wanted to point it out. So Margaret Angelica Dresden. Mm-hmm. So, mad. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so uh, the first thing they do is uh, head on over to the uh, – uh, what's what's that place that the Red Court has in that office building? Well, it's Harry's uh, office building. Well, it's Harry's office building. And it's like a data center. Yeah, it's right. a generic tech company, something rather – I thought it was like insurance or legal or something, but you know, some office building type thing. So, But it's like burn your house down limited, you know, so – Mostly because they burn Harry's out. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so they go there to get you know data to it's try a and find bit of out. A, 
uh, nasty word throwing between Harry and Martin. And he says, you look gay with that haircut. It's like, I had to pose as a gay guy. Yeah. Right. We're like, was, ooh, you got me. That was what I was going for. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, Harry finds out that the vampires bought his building, you know, a couple of years ago and then immediately raised his rent because they're douchebags. And, you know, they're the bad guys, you know, just saying. So um, they, they are up on the seventh floor and he's what, down on the fourth or something like that? Yeah, fourth or fifth. But I think that changes between books. Like sometimes it's the fourth and sometimes it's the fifth. Those, you know, it's bigger on the inside. That's all that matters. So, um, so Susan and Martin go in because, you know, they can actually computer and not blow up a hard drive. And then, you know, a fire team of, you know, vampires comes in behind them. And Harry's like, you know, the, the man had something about something right about wizards. Right. You know, so the, the whole, like, um, you know, you shouldn't meddle in the affairs of wizards because they're subtle and quick to anger and then fuck subtle because, yeah. you know, Harry, so he kicks in the door and starts oh, melting sorry. vampires mm -hmm. using soul fire because he's really bad at, you know, not using soul fire for stuff like that and blows up most of the hard drive, kills everybody except for Mr. Eve, but we don't find that out until later. And then they run out of the building because they find out that his entire floor has been wired to explode. And then that, whole, that one scene where also in that full fight where it's like, you don't need to understand to know what they're saying to understand that, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, and it's funny you say that too, right? Because like a, a big part of this is that he veils, you know, to hide himself because he, he feels the vampires coming much like he did in Great Peril with the twins. Um, you know, when they come to deliver the message initially, that's when he first feels that sickly cold feeling and associates mm -hmm. it with vampires. And then you get a taste of that here. And Harry actually just veils. He borrows the darkness and basically like dims the lights around him and a bunch of other stuff because he's been teaching Molly. And it's like, he might not be good at it, but he's good enough. And just seeing stuff like that was, you know, just blew me away the second time, especially yeah. um, where I was like, I didn't even really catch it. And so he dampens, you know, all the senses and then finally drops it when he gets to his, well, to the seventh floor to engage the vampires and so he could listen because uh, he was cutting off some of his own senses doing it. And that's when you get the whole like, what? <laughs> like, we're alone in here, right guys? Like when you sneak up on the vampires, that's good times. So yeah. But then a couple of the vampires got away and that's right. how they can blow up the building. And Harry realizes he just mailed in his rent check that morning. Right. And it's it's Mrs. Eves that blows up the building because she was outside. She was a spotter for him. So right. They... And Mr. Eves was the one who got away. Right. He rabbits early and often. So I I do kind of enjoy some of that stuff. this morning for the rent. That's so good. <laughs> right. I forgot that. And this is like stage one of dismantling Harry's life is first the office. Everything destroyed and gone. Which is where the series started, I believe, right? Didn't yeah. 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 Uh, Almost this, like there's symbolism there. Well, <laughs> uh, I would say this this definitely is a book which uh, one thing you look for when you're rereading is look for all of the continuity nods that are just integrated so well into it. You know, right. in conversation, he drops the lines to uh, two books that aren't really mentioned otherwise. The uh, uh, the werewolves and zombies. Well, that's books two and seven right there. Uh, right. So he's, and of course, the whole premise of the book is based on something that happened in book five. There's stuff from one, two, three that shows up. Uh, so this, this, 
it's just wonderful how much it's how well it's integrated by at this point in the series all of the stuff that's happened before as jim's tearing everything down hey remember all this remember all this broken well and i mean the more that we talk about it the more it's starting to click into place so it benefits us that Endgame came out around the same time just because i really feel like we've had this 10 year setup of all this stuff and then this book is going to reference everything that came before small hints you know so um so you just get some of that badass stuff and you know guess what the russo brothers reads fucking dresden files they got they got it from jim there you go so the long story short though like the first half of the book is kind of like watching infinity war guess what it's not so good for the good guys but it's okay because there's going to be a part two you know so well uh one thing in the in this chapter that i'd like to point out is the uh, there's a, a little line that pays off at the very end when we do part three of the episode we'll talk about this part but uh when uh, martin says well talking about the talking about the sloppy exit technique see if that see if that's going to have uh if that's going to catch up to us thing is he's the double triple agent he's betraying them constantly Spoilers. <laughs> But you might be doing that at a level that not even the Eves are aware of. Because oh, sure. he was the Red King's personal person, right? Maybe right, sure. because that's that's the only way you can do your double, triple agent is only the guy at the top can know, right? right. So, well, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what was it? In Supernatural, they did that, you know, the, the one ruby um, demon. Well, the Red, the, King might, the Red King might be calling the shots instead of Ari Adriana on the Eves, right? See, so, he is calling the shots on the Eves. So there we go. So that's exactly that's, that's exactly confirmed it. when we get to that later when they pull him into forest. Yes, yeah, he's like so, they're trying to negotiate with him on the Red King's behalf. There it is. There it is. Uh, so it's just it's just one of those things that pays off later. Like when you see Peabody in books four and seven uh, and eight, and then he's there with his you know his uh, his inkwell in book eleven. So yeah, just a little note there. But yeah, then the thing blows up and everyone gets out safe. And then they take RCA. a cab. <laughs> yes. As one does. Yeah, and then they fucking, you know, threaten Habib or whatever his name was because... Mod. Okay, sorry. But, you know. Yeah. I think Martin overpaid him I or just, something and Harry just decided to, like, you stay quiet because now you I saw your address. Everything. Little ball of sunshine. Just kidding. <laughs> but still, it was like, fuck. Jerry, come on, man. That was unnecessary. Like, like the, little, the, the little nod to like he's like he has a Middle Eastern name and he's like when he's like the building blowing up and he's like he does not look happy about it. Right, and then right. Harry's like, I give I feel you, I understand. I think it's something like that. You might be projecting a little Yeah, I kind of thought you were reading into that one a little much, but okay. No, Especially weird because you're not anyway. Um <laughs> I just, I thought that was kind of interesting because it's like, I mean, I get it for one thing and it, I feel like it fits the theme of the story in general, right? Because we've got this whole special agent Harry this time around where he's kind of running around doing, you know, spy shit or black ops shit or whatever. But at the same time, I was just like, that's a little out of character, don't you think? You know, like, I don't know. So that's, that's why. But uh, after that, they go to Edinburgh. Is there something Not else quite. First? Yeah, what? because nobody he, cares. Okay, he he okay. waits at home after the cab ride. He makes a pot of coffee and cleans his coat, and oh, then right. Murphy shows up. Right. 
right? Because she was worried that she might have actually gotten exploded. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you showered. Uh, you showered at four in the morning. You cleaned your coat at four in the morning. Right. You were there. It doesn't uh, take a detective to figure out. <laughs> are we on the record? Not yet. Coming. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and honestly, I mean that it just demonstrates how hugely far they've come, right? Like she doesn't start out slugging him. She doesn't start out, you know, bringing all the cops. She starts out as a friend, and well, then she starts out worried that he's dead, and then she starts to become conscious as he feeds her coffee. Well, that too, but but I mean, she, but she knows better, right? Like that's the whole point. Like there's no way that she didn't immediately get woken up by this thing suspect he might he's either dead or he's in on it but either way he's in on it right so like she knows that there's no way this is a coincidence mm -hmm. she's just worried that he's dead first because friend and then she should have cop moded at that point but yeah i guess we could blame sleep, sleep deprived so yeah. uh so i think the rest of that conversation is mostly he brings her up to speed and she gets mad on his behalf and says we're gonna go save the kid and he gets happy for a minute and then he right. goes to sleep and then he talks to molly okay because she's making she's making him breakfast right they agreed that she was going to make him healthy breakfast wasn't she committing have to quit coffee or is that later no no no. this is she's committing breakfast yeah mm -hmm. he's not allowed to have coffee breakfast. right he, he was dimly aware of some such agreement where he had given up coffee right and then and then later you get the whole like in the, in the epic do as i say not as i do she had an energy drink so <laughs> yeah. she has the metabolic rate of youth right that too yeah. immortal for another year or two at least Mm-hmm. Which is convenient because we're gonna need <laughs> and now forever. <laughs> <laughs> now we go to Edinburgh. Yeah, right? Sure. Um, pretty much. Okay. Edinburgh. And then they get killed by a giant spider. Snow Although that's I do want to say there's something in Harry when he's talking to her, he's specifically thinking of how in the past he's made decisions on other people's behalf as to how involved they should be and decides not to do that, and he just tells her things, and she can decide her own level of involvement, which is completely. But it's a sign of character growth on Harry's part. And still, ironically, ends up being the wrong decision. Yeah, probably. That's well, definitely true of the Holmesian logic, but I, I think from a from a Doylean level, where we're talking about real-world stuff, I think it's just a sign as far how Jim has come as a writer, right, that a lot of these relationships... Thank you. <laughs> I was thinking oh, it... <laughs> Wait, did why you say it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I missed it. Doilies. Why are you talking about oh, doilies? doilies? No, no. So, so the, the term you use is so Holmesian is within the world. Doily, like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, is the world of the author, real world yeah. logic. So on the Doyle, Doylean level, using Doylean logic, talking the meta and stuff, then yeah, that's Jim Butcher who's a, a better author now than he was in Stormfront. Uh, within the world, it it's character death and character growth, and it's definitely that uh to some degree but a lot of it is the relationships are just sold a lot better because they're written a lot better and uh this is i, I i'm not usually a fan of changes on a reread because of this long slog in the first 28 chapters but i think in the in this most recent reread it's really grown on me because of uh you see how well he sells all the continuity all the characters all their actions all their motivations Anyway, that's all I, I want to argue with you, but we don't have time. So, <laughs> save it for part four. 
Yeah, I was just yeah, right. I was just gonna say that it's like honestly, I think Harry is so far up shit creek, and without a paddle, he doesn't have a choice. But no, I mean, it, the, obviously, there's character development, and he's had this conversation time and time again. Mm-hmm. But I really do think, like, we also see repeatedly in this book, he's like, I really don't want to bring you with me, but God damn it, somebody's got to hold the sword, Squire, get the sword, you know, like. You know, just he's he needs fucking everybody in this book. And, you know, we'll see that because he he brought everybody but Butters. Right. So and the alphas. OK. Our, that they shine last book. That was uh, There's a reason. I mean, Jim said the yeah. reason. The reason is I can't include everyone in this. And, oh, Harry, oh, and Harry just didn't think of it. At gotcha. this point in time, she is pregnant and they probably won't be leaving anywhere. Well, Billy would have gone still. Yeah. And he would have taken Kermit. Oh, and oh, technically, Butters was involved. It was just not had enough to go on a mission because there's absolutely no reason for him to add up and go on a mission ever. But again, <laughs> do, do we need a chalk circle? Well, there, there is now, but he's a Jedi. So, no. yeah. yeah. But at this point, there is only one night, and he is Sonya, and he shows up in chapter 28, which we will hopefully get to. But no. right. not at this rate. So far, yeah, so far, not so good. Well, we're okay. up to like chapter seven now. So, a so quarter of the way there. A nice little world-building tidbit of Edinburgh before he goes and talks to Ebenezer, who tells him off. No, wait. What what happens? Because that does, okay. that happens later. The Ebenezer telling him okay, off. Okay, so there's no, the world-building is- thing. Oh, of- shit. Yeah, I remember. Go ahead. <laughs> world-building of, like, uh, the original Merlin bought in a bet the, from... Didn't he win it in a game of cards or some bullshit? Something, like, yeah, because he saw Solo or something. I don't know. Yeah, right. Dowing, I don't know. How, Dina, she, Dowing, she. I don't know. It's spelled wrong. I know it is. How? How do you know it is? Like Because so what Marster said was Dina, she. And right. what it is spelled is D-A-O-I-N-E. Like yeah, I said, I mean, how? <laughs> based on... Based on that logic, she is misspelled, even though we it know is. it's not. Everything Celtic is misspelled. I think they just took whatever the pre-existing language and jammed it into Roman letters because, you know, that's what was happening at the time in that period of the world. And that's what Yes, but they also specifically made it harder for English people to understand because they didn't want them to understand it. Yeah, because fuck you guys. <laughs> so. so And now people are going to be mad at us because we mispronounce things wrong. Well, we're just, I'm saying how Marster said it because, you know, I listen to a lot of books. I honestly didn't even know what the, I put DNA, you know, because, know. Uh, because, because it, yes. You know, like, anyway. Because you're so, funny. Well, because I don't fucking speak Celtic. So I'm not going to pretend. If you were a real fan. I, I didn't get Athame right until I was corrected on the show. Like, come on. <laughs> well, that's just, that's I don't have a good track record for this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then so he Harry runs into Wizard McPhee. Yes, the the phone operator lady who does not look happy to see them. Ah. No. And then they go to the ostentation Tory. Yes, right. after she was like, but don't you know the news? He's like, obviously not. <laughs> Seeing how I'm here and, you know, was excluded on purpose. So. Mm-hmm. Ostentatory that has everyone possibly in there. And Duchess Oriana Ortega herself is asking for terms of peace. Right. Also. Right next to her. Of a yeah. Genuine. She sounds so happy. And she's like, how can you be this naive? Right. Well, damn it, phone lady. Because, yeah, Christos is dumb and. 
nobody, well, a lot of other people are dumb, but Christos is especially dumb. And then Ebenezer is on the stage because who the fuck else would you put next to the crazy ass vampire? Maybe just the guy who could squish her like this. So, and then every everybody else is somewhere else. So like Lucio practically like drags Dresden out because Dresden fucking calls Ariana out in front of everybody in the ostentatory. And he's like, I'm going to kick your ass so far up between his, wait. <laughs> so, but, but he basically is ready to throw down. That fucking badass moment. You sure you want to go like that, fellas? <laughs> right. And they all stop. Right. To describe more of what really happens is Harry is taking off, storming towards the ostentation party until he realizes that Molly is trying to get him to stop. Right. He realizes he's out of his mind. This is why you don't wear Healy's kids, because she's just like, ah, anyway. <laughs> Right, and then because all of the old guard wardens are inside the ostentation story and the young guard are outside and they like Harry, he gets to go in. Right. But then, of course, they want to, like, stop him, so. Yeah. yeah. And he gets to do that awesome moment with the door and then slam right when, oh, right. when he stops talking. I mean, really, they did it to themselves because they're wizards. Like, you know, they're like, you know what's ominous and sexy is booming doors everywhere. Oh shit, this is the one time we didn't want the booming doors. Like, anyway. Okay, so, yeah. So he he shows up, wants to throw down with the old guard. Lucio kind of gets up at his face, which is hilarious because she's like half his height and she mm -hmm. practically drags him off to the worry room. Yeah, uh, kind of. Oh, Harry's going off of like, you give back that child! And Oriana's going like, I know he must be just insane out of grief. I myself also suffered losses and everyone just like, oh, I'm going to cry for him. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and she gives that little smirk. Right. Okay. And then with Lucio and Ebenezer telling him to get the fuck away, he goes to the worry room. Right. Ebenezer just kind of nods because he's the only one that you can see. So the whole senior council is on the stage with Christos, except that they're all hooded. Uh -huh. And the, so the only one you can see is Christos and Ebenezer. And mm -hmm. then they go to the worry room. And, and on the way, you see the only mention of Ramirez in this book. If he's like, what's going on? And he gets told to shut up and do nothing. Which is pretty much what he gets relegated to for the rest of his time on screen mm -hmm. in short story or book. Until, you know. He tried really hard in Cold Case. Right. And we're going to get a really good showing from him in Peace Talks. So... He's got one functioning leg. I don't think we're getting a really good showing from him. Yeah, we'll get. We'll Harry's get. Harry's got a broken back. Let's not start throwing stones. Was he was magically repaired. The other <laughs> one was limping still. We'll get a triumphal death scene, uh, Mister Dresden. I don't feel so good. Stop it. Just... <laughs> Only because it hurts my soul. I believe it would happen, but don't do it. Like, yeah, he's going to be, like, hopping through a corridor with, like, some werewolf chasing him down, like, you know, slinging green shit, and then it's going to fall on him and kill him. I don't know. No, he's going to he's gonna use his gauntlets, and he's going to, you know, like the Infinity Stones, and he's going to smash them together and turn Just into a giant blob of entropy explosion and take out half the building and the enemies. Self-sacrifice. Okay, you got me at the end, but no. But, okay, so he goes into the worry room. Lucio pours him a drink, I think. Lucio pours three drinks and then lets them choose because she knows how paranoid people are because she told them to be paranoid. Gotcha. And Molly can't handle the liquor, so she says, I'm just going to be the, the designated sober person. Right. And then Tactical Merlin shows up. Like, 
Merlin the White with his like wand holsters. After and... Harry basically gets uh, Lucio to promise to help him. Okay. And then it's like, do you know what the Merlin's up to? And then Tactical Merlin is like, God damn it. And he's like, yeah, just like he's behind me, isn't he? Yeah. Know what he's up to. Well, she's sort of. I mean, he he tries to get her to hat up, and she says, you know, she has to tell him, one, I'm not what I was in a fight, which he she almost kicks his ass for him basically yeah. calling her a coward. Yeah. Right. Does, does she ever actually end up helping? I've, it, I'm yes. Yeah. Okay, what does she do? She sends letter. that letter through Steed later on. Guess what? Oh. She she got no one's going to be able to help you at the end. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say no one from the council. It was only Grey Council that comes to help later on, as far as wizards as a whole. I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. But we don't know she wasn't there. She there could have been two. No, we, we, we don't know each each other's she there necessarily. But um, you know, she. Uh, I tend to uh, trust her own estimation in in a fight these days. So mm-hmm. she probably wasn't, you know, at least in my mind. No, yeah, I almost certainly not. But the the idea of like her standing on ancient my shoulders that as they go to save Harry, too good to pass up. Anyway, she would break her. <laughs> Other way on top of Lucio, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> like you, you want to talk about a someone turning to dust? Anybody sits on ancient my shoulders, forget it. She's gone. But if Mai right. is on top of Lucio's shoulders, that's exactly where Mai would want to be because then she just gets gets to give orders all the time. But she's just Yoda. Yeah. Control, control. You must learn control. Okay, we got got to focus. I'm the worst. Let's yes. go. Yes, you are. <laughs> okay, Merlin shows up and reveals that the only one on the stage is Ebenezer, and uh, Harry's like, "You're not drinking the Kool Aid." And Merlin's looks to Lucio is what? It's like, oh, the Jonestown suicide news ah. from you know the last oh. century. You know, apt so. metaphor. He's not as up to pop culture as he used to be. Right. <laughs> And they're talking about the Red Court and the peace attempt and how much they're going to go along with it. And Molly pipes up, like, what if they're actually genuinely wanting peace? And everyone just looks at her. Just, it could happen. <laughs> right. It could. She hasn't learned uh, supernatural diplomacy yet. That comes with a new job. There is a, a nice little thing in this exchange, by the way, which uh, comes up a couple times with different characters. It even says, he says, I could feel the adamant will that drove the man. So he could feel the will, the pure, well, although that's presumably just an expression, you know, uh, I, there's there's something there where this keeps coming up in this book in particular. There's this, there's Vaderung, and then there's, of course, the Red King at the end. Uh, the will having some kind of physical force, some kind of felt impression. Yeah, but with the Red King and the Lords of Outer Night, it's a literal physical will. That as, with, as with Vaderung. And with with but with Merlin, it, there's something there where he says, "I could feel the will." I don't think that's an accident, you know. Uh, oh, it's it, it just it's looks kind of like when you're first reading. Yeah, yeah. Even so, uh, and this is that right after his big his big speech that you know uh, reduces uh, saving human lives to arithmetic, uncounted billions now living will will be saved. Uh, so. There is, there. I think there is something here to to look at for any kind of tinfoil theorists. Uh, that he's much more aggressive now that Peabody's gone. Yeah. But then also that you you can feel his will. That you feel. <laughs> his will. Stop trying to feel the man's will, you weirdo. Okay. He made me feel it. Stop trying to make fresh happen, Ben. Okay. So one teeny tiny thing to circle back to was um, 
prior to Merlin showing up, right, was the thing with Lucio, just because it is one of the quintessential lines of the book, was the whole, like, I will make the kids safe line, mm. right? So if the world burns, so be it. The kid and I will roast marshmallows. And then Lucio is like, you're a good man, Harry. And I'm like, wait, really? <laughs> like, that's what we're going to react with? So I thought that was later. Isn't it? I, um, I'm pretty sure. Anyway. I think what she's saying is you wouldn't, like, you're a good man, you wouldn't just... That a lot it, of people die. It is later because he says that to Murphy, not to Lucio. Yeah. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. Because he's he's done. I don't know how I got that at that point. He's done days. sharing romantic feelings with with Lucio and talking about the world burning is about as hot as it gets. Gotcha. Uh, right. But this is basically the first one of the conversations of someone pointing out the number of lives versus Maggie that are at stake. But Merlin also says that we're going to destroy them root and branch. Right. Which is great. <laughs> right. It, yeah. Biblical, like uh -huh. fire and brimstone because wizards. So, yeah. <laughs> and then they're unhappy at each other. Merlin orders them to desist and Harry basically says, fuck you. And they go back to Chicago. Right. One one real quick thing, just one thing that I like about this, the whole like we'll destroy them root and branches because you know damn well that the Merlin has told other people this, right? So when Harry does it later, you know that just adds to the wizard stuff, right? Even though the Red Court basically like all Harry does is put like a carrot in the end of the gun and they blow themselves up, right? You know that the Merlin and every other wizard PR person out there is like, see what we did to the Red Court, you fucks, don't fuck with us. So... Maybe we'll have to see in what ways they're spinning it in the peace talks. Well, yeah. Obviously. Oh, I mean that seems pretty obvious that that would be the way they spin. Well, they it. I mean they, they are equal on the one hand. They are completely like this guy is going off the rails. He's the knight now. We we're next best thing. We might as well kill him too. Oh, but by the way, look what one of our wizards could do to an entire nation. Imagine if we all put our minds to it. Right. Right. They'll probably be trying to benefit from him, but also the fact at that point, if he was the Winter Knight. They might not be able to claim as much as maybe Matt could. Maybe. Yeah, he wasn't the knight proper, let's face it. He was still... He got the power. To the supernatural world, since they was broadcast to everybody. I was going to say, it's, it's not like everybody knew that yet, so... Everyone in Fairy knew it. Is that <laughs> different? Yeah, everyone in Fairy is pretty big. Didn't, sure, but, I mean, but that's not everyone it. else. I mean, if, if the whole point is who can claim credit for this... Hothead Wizard of the White Council, who is already at war with, you know, the Red Court, or Fairy, who is like, well, you know, the guy who had sex with Mab. And at that point, they don't care. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, this is a Tuesday for Mab. Big deal. <laughs> I mean, I know, but okay. So, okay, they go back to Chicago. Yes, and they run into uh, Martin and. Susan again, and Martin just stares at Molly and go, who's the girl? And Susan decides she has to stake her territory or something, which I thought was the worst moment of Susan yeah, ever. Yeah, because she's got that right at this point, <laughs> either way. And it didn't Girls. Dumb. <sighs> if only things were more like a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah. They could team up and, oh. Well, I mean, at this point... Uh, She's Gamora, and Molly's basically Scarlet Witch. So who's Captain Marvel? Because does that leave Murphy as Captain Marvel? I mean, no. Oh God, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, okay, so they they go. Doesn't Murphy basically say, "Oh, by the way, the FBI will be here in about three minutes," and then you know, yeah, after they have a conversation about metacapacitors, I believe. Oh, right, because that's that's what they were. That's what Susan and Martin were able to get off the hard drive. Yeah, and then yeah, everyone's like, a... "Metacapacitors? What's that?" It's too long to explain right now, but basically, it's a magic thing. Well, so. well, because he gets from Bob later. And right. so Martin starts saying, "Like out of nearly a petabyte of information," he goes, "Petal what?" Right. It's like a trillion bytes. Oh, that totally clears it up. What's a byte? No. <laughs> Several thousand libraries worth. Right. Okay. And then metacapacitors are being shipped places that they can't know. For the ritual sacrifice of an innocent. Uh, Harry tells Martin and Susan to go find the people who are trailing them. So Molly veils them on their way out. And then Molly goes to talk to Fort Hill. And then Murphy shows up and says, FBI coming for you. And then he runs around and does the montage thing of like cleaning up all of the stuff. And we get more references of like everything he's ever used to craft, like his ghost dust and, you know, whatever else. He all throws in one single backpack along with Bob. Yeah, in a way, it's almost paying off kind of what he set up that uh, I can't tell you how I got depleted uranium, but I'd be big trouble if anybody ever found out. And then here he is trying to hustle all his contraband so. away. Which, well, I'm I'm sure he would get questions. Like, I'm not really sure if it is against the law, which I always thought was funny. But I'm gonna trust Jim's research on that. But it was like theoretically depleted uranium. You know, it's just I mean, it's dust too. Like, what could he do with that? You know, it's not like it's polonium or something. So, right. So one thing before Murphy showed up was that Bob was able to look at the metacapacitors and say, well, this definitely is something dark and fun, and it has to do with the slaughter of an innocent. Right. And then they have a discussion about Rudolph and why he sucks. Because <laughs> he's a vampire. It's not really much of a discussion. It's just basic fact at this point. Well, yeah, they just collectively shit on him as Rudolph the brown-nosed cop-cop. As um, they should. Yes. Yeah, it's fun doing that. Anyway, so the FBI come and he's got to run into the Never Never for the first time ever from his apartment, which is... Except... He said he did that once in Grave Peril, and I think he also said that in Turncoat, or pretty close to it, when he was trying to do the, the tracking spell to find Thomas, he also tried it from the Never Never. If he didn't do that from his lab, where the hell did he do it? Right. But we are outside the apartment building. Yeah, we've already had this argument, Grave Peril, because it's yeah. like he literally says that, you know, five feet away, it's something completely different. And right. so, you know, yeah. when he does a Grave Peril, it's a shadow Chicago. You know, but type of thing. why wouldn't you do that from the safety of your own lab? Because you he, doesn't weak, uh, he doesn't want a week inside the threshold. Yeah, he's he's the already door. got a shit threshold. You're not going to open the door from the inside mm -hmm. unless in an emergency like this. Right. Maybe. I think it's a great retcon and it is a great moment, but there are inconsistencies. Well, yeah, because I mean, so what what happens, right? So he goes in there, they're on the primrose path that couldn't possibly end in tears. And he gets attacked by a giant centipede, right? And, you know, like you, so, I mean, the fight is very badass. We could go through the whole thing, whatever. He buries Bob, right? But when he talks to his fairy godmother later, because she's like, oh, by the way, did you see my pet? Now there's two of them. How hard is that going to be to feed, right? One of the first things that I thought was like, wait a minute, didn't the nightmare come in through the Never Never in Grave mm -hmm. Peril? So okay, why did she not true. stop the nightmare? You know? He did it through a dream. That might make it different. Different? Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, and and, and I mean, 
we can we can um, uh, argue the finer points of the in-world reason, but the in-world reason also is at that point Leia is basically at least a minor, if not a major antagonist. She doesn't necessarily have his best interests at heart in that particular book, at least anything from her point of view. Well, is, she's trying. But, and so she's also so she's also probably a little more willing to facilitate or at least not care what other people are well, doing as long as it gives she, her the option. Because she was still on the kick of trying to force him to be a dog, making him weakened so that he had to accept the bargain for her would still be in her interest and sure. interest with her deal with Margaret. And from her point of view, she was always just doing mm-hmm. what she was good for him anyway. So what are we still talking for? Dog him already. <laughs> um, and then that pays off later in this book because she finally gets the tournament to a dog. Right. Um oh yeah. Can't and, forget. Bob destroys the wards because he can't just put them down for five minutes because the oh. FBI are gonna come in and it's gonna blow up the apartment building. Right. He should have let happen. And when he gets, you know, poured into a hole, you'd better come back. So yeah, just Good, good stuff. Just because uh, Bob spends like every other sentence, he's like, "Wait, we're going to the never, never. You better not drop me or die and roll me under a rock or something." You know. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun listening to the FBI clunk around in his tiny apartment, though, because Rudolph is so jumpy. He shoots at Mister. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, you can tell that the FBI. It's like we're here because we gotta be. You know, like even even Tilly, right? Later yeah. when they do. Uh, at this point, Tilly might still be thinking, okay, Justin could be suspicious, but Rudolph is a dumbass. Right, right. It's not a liar. I mean, Tilly says as much after they're done in, t- in mm. their little interrogation that he lied his ass off to get this search warrant. Yeah, but you might not know that until after he sees how messy the place is. Not, and not just that, but I just realized, duh, he's alluding to the fact that he's got his little lie detector thing and he totally knows Rudolph lied his ass off about it. That I- is true. Yeah, so. but I also like how in the audiobook, like James, even like the performance there, where it's like, you know, it's FBI, and then you hear Rudolph Chicago PD, like this nasal kind of, like, yeah, that's the Chicago accent, right? Oh, that's good. Okay, so Harry goes into the Never Never, fights centipedes, comes back after burying Bob and the swords and the uranium, and then just kind of like falls. From nowhere into his lab, and then gets freaking everyone. The smallest portal he's ever. It's basically like a sliver. Yeah. Which I guess is storytelling done because so the FBI is not like he came for a fucking portal. <laughs> but I mean, well, be... I, just um, his excuse to be like, I was asleep down in my lab. Where else could I have been? So. Like, I don't know what you mean. Like, yeah. So, so they take him into custody. And he sleeps. Right. And gets interrogated. And he finds out that dude probably has a little bit of, you know, magic on him. So I, it's funny, too, because, like, reading it, it's just like, it's the hand Solo treatment, right? We've got to explain mm-hmm. how he does his thing or whatever. And it's just like, he could just be really intuitive. But no, in the Dresden Files, you know, he's got some minor talent. So... Yeah. He he's literally a, a lie detector apparently. So yeah, but it's funny he wakes up and and Rudolph is like already in his face and abusive, and then Harry just looks at Tilly and he's like, "I guess you're a good cop then." Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, Rudolph's like, "How can he be exhausted? We kept an eye on him. He's we had him out of, like he can't be exhausted." 
right? And then, you know, gets himself kicked out of the, the room, right? So, yeah. He says, my name is Tilly. You can call me Agent Tilly or Agent or Tilly, whatever you want. Harry says, okay, Slim. Okay, right. Slim. Yeah. Uh, and then you also have the whole, like, I'm not going to tell you because you won't believe me and whatever. And then at the end, he's like, okay, will you tell me? And he's like, off the record? Off the record. Vampires did it. What? Wait, yeah. you're not and, lying. <laughs> Tilly doesn't get a lying rhyme. Yeah. So. Well, but he, he, he accuses him of lying at first. Or it's like, usually I can tell. It's not that I can't now. You're really sincere about that. So it, I, I, I like I like the whole bit that you guys are a little bit off about. I like that he's the minor talent, not just intuitive. It shows that he's, I think it's a setup of a, a indicative of the larger world, the Paranet kind of thing. He might I mean, for Tilly, for Tilly, the character, he probably just thinks he's intuitive. He's like, he's got a gut feeling. Oh, yeah, for, for, from his perspective. But yeah. he, he he's in a place to get hooked up with a paranet and be the FBI liaison or for the to uh, the normies liaison to the uh, to the new Uncelia Accords after peace talks when everyone dies and everything's revealed and then you have to finally deal with the new world order of Mab running the world or whatever. <laughs> okay, that was dark and extreme. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Certainly be a more efficient world. Is this before or after she goes back in time to have which Stop. baby... Okay, sorry. I was just like, I wanted to make sure that we understood the kookiness of whatever you just said. Well, <laughs> no. So, the, but the the point is, though, I think this is, I think that I that point alone is showing me that Tilly's being used as pointed out to the rest of the uh, the Dresden Files setting, and also my big hope is that he shows up again because I love him so much. He's wonderful. I think Jim I think he Jim's will. Does show yeah. Yeah. I, he's going to be in Peace Talks because everything happens in Peace Talks. Actually, so. I think Jim said he comes back in Peace Talks. I know, but it, he almost certainly, like, if the FBI gets involved, he's going to be there. So, yeah. Uh, so Dresden goes back to his apartment, right? Amen. No, something he walks else? outside of the FBI building oh, yeah. into a bunch of paparazzi, and three bullets try to kill him. Right, but his duster... Nobody notices. Yes. Yeah. Because it's quiet, and he didn't yeah, like TMZ. die. So. He didn't he? Didn't give them the hint of a dead body, right? Mm. Great line. And so. there was just a, a car driving away, very nonchalantly. <laughs> and if there ever was, if 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 Marcus ever did a Chicago accent, <laughs> that's where he does a Chicago accent. That cameraman mm. is you okay, so. Buddy? I can't even do it. Like I can't, but yeah, that's very Chicago. Well, one thing of uh, Marster's voice acting is how well he can um, impersonate the Roadrunner when the Blue Beetle comes up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> beep, beep. Yep. It's perfect recreation. And Molly is there with Mouse, and Harry is trying to figure out, how did you find me? And she says, I let Mouse drive. <laughs> right. Now he goes back to the apartment and there's two cocoons in there. Yeah, there's some fun conversation though between Harry and Molly. And Harry. We're already in an hour. We've gone through five chapters. You know how this is. We don't do fun. (laughs) He's having a half off sale by going back to the apartment with the wards down. Oh, right. Okay. It's too good. I know, but like, okay, let's put this into perspective. Half off special, Harry Dresden. It's freaking amazing. 
every line is great. We don't got time to read the whole book. It's like 50 hours. Like how, how many shows is that? It's a lot. So we're just going to have to skim somewhere. Um, there's also the kind of conversation about Molly being sad that her dad can't show up anymore when bad guys get bad. And Harry's Fish desperately down. trying to show up. For his little girl. Uh -huh. True. And then I they find the cocoon. For you also show up for Molly. It's a shame they can't like loan out the grace like every book or something. Also, you know? shop smart, shop smart. Yes. There's a lot of really good pop culture references, which is what I'm saying. We can't read the whole book to you. It's just gonna, okay. we're going to have to skip. Like, come on, the Ghostbusters reference is perfect. S smart is great. It, mm -hmm. all, all right. Good. We're about to get into one of my favorite chapters because Leah shows up and is dangerous and, you know, calm. Oh, yes. So. If we're at, we're at an hour and we're just getting into chapter 15. Right. We're going long? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we already established okay. that? We're going to have right. longer. I sure. hope you've got your adult diapers on because we're doing this. We're going end game long. Yeah. Well, not like three hours. <laughs> not today, anyway. But <laughs> Okay. Leah has apprehended the intruders and is ready to go with the judge, jury, executioner. And then the trial. <laughs> yeah. She's Kardashian. You, you kill them, then trial them, or trial them. La, it's hard. It seems like semantics in any case. Right. What is the mortal word for murder? Oh, execution. <laughs> or is it execution and then trial? You got to appreciate right. that she's like, oh, well, whatever the order is. She's, she's one of your favorites, right? Okay, go yes. ahead and do all of her dialogue. I know you noted it, so <laughs> just, I'll, I'll wait. They have the, the back and forth of like, are we just going to keep asking each other's questions? Like, would you like to? Well, and I I liked the whole thing because it's like, he's like, A, I don't have time for this. And B, it really is good manners to lose to the guest. <laughs> so just his whole rationale on like, she did experience and whatever. Harry gets his hope back for a long, long forgotten hope. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about Hope. He, he gets a glimpse of the fact that Leah had information on how to lull the vampire predator to sleep. With literally says he feels like a door open on the Hope he shot away long ago. Yeah, yeah but uh, let's face it. I think deep down he knew this was not having a happy ending. Especially since Leah follows it up with, oh, so what are you going to pay me for this information? I mean, honestly, he would have gotten... Tried, gotten he, once he knew it was possible, he would have... It, it's basically to set up the pain even more later. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a big part of it, right? But from Harry's perspective, like, I it just shows him that he had not run through all of the choices yet, like all of all of the permutations. He's not Tony Stark. He didn't just figure it out in five minutes in his basement. He I think he needs to go through some more. That that it is he because he had basically run through what he knew at the time and what his options were after a year and came up with nothing. But obviously, he didn't know everything because she had something so and it's even more important because leah had no external power over martin and um susan right so mm -hmm. she could have done any of that shit to harry and it would have made loads of sense but she has some other kind of thing that harry would theoretically be able to figure out later if you know yeah. spoilers she lets them down off the wall and the ceiling and Harry catches Susan, but no one was around to catch Martin. Pity. Oh, no. Which Pity. was just oh. awful. <laughs> awful. Just awful. Uh, and then they have a conversation about 
information and he gets the epiphany that Margaret saved something for him. Yeah. Did you get that thing your mom sent you? Anyway. There was also a nice little hint uh, towards what he was going to be at the midway point of this book because she uh, talks about splitting the centipede in half. He's like, you know, there's an element other than fire, right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you should dive as like something like diversifier or something. Well, she compliments him on it later when he uses that back to back going through the foot soldiers. Yeah. You know, she says something like, "Few can wield it with dual um, opposite elements with such ease." Right. Well, and then her whole like five minute spiel on you know like wait that was your garden and she's like you know here are all these medieval ways and things out of folklore that could have killed you and I mean how come no one's ever put a spirit in your refrigerator so, yeah or a snake in your boot right yeah she's like if you if you would have kept going down the path you would have seen all those bones right. kind of like uh, later on in cold days when he sees all those bones and uh, at the wall. One thing I, I really like in the Leah chapter, well, before we move on to his uh, his little time skip when they wake up, uh, I really like that first moment when they're there, and you know they both start both uh, uh, Susan and Martin start to fall from the the wall or wherever they are, and he he carefully catches her as she falls down, and Martin, however, fell. Which time zone are you in? Wait, what? We talked about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Dang it. Dang it! I missed it. I, missed it. it. Uh, I knew. I knew as soon as I said, "Oh, they were in," and I was like, "He's about to repeat the exact same thing we just did like three minutes." Okay, ago. this is my first time doing it. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done this before. I Let's do Andreas. I appreciate the more subtle show of her power, where she basically turned his chair into a spinning chair, and it's not supposed to be. Yeah, I also and like that. Mister really likes her. Well, what's not to like? Mister's a traitor. No, he's not. <laughs> How dare you? All right. Mr. Margaret's gem. Favorite character. Yes, the gem. Yes. It very conveniently fits right into the middle of his pentacle. Yes, and Almost he has like the epiphany of he has to ask for something because that's how he would do it for Maggie, and that's kind of wisdom or whatever. And she says it will have a cost, or at least it should. And Margaret was unable to sleep soundly, and you won't know what the cost is going to be. Well, he's, she says it might be nothing. It might be something. Right. Right. But something like that should have a cost. Well, I mean, in, she said in her opinion, she thinks it would destroy him. Right. Technically well, speaking, probably she wasn't wrong. At the end of this book, he does, as a result of using the power, he does die. First of all, I think Harry has to like think about where he wants to go before he can seek the knowledge in the gym. Like it's like I want to go there, and then like the gym's like, oh, go this, 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 and with notes from his mom. Uh, and probably there are places he can go where she might have been, which is why she can't sleep soundly anymore. That would like seriously fuck you up. Well, all of yeah. the places that he can go from the gem are places she's been because of her notes. But yeah, yeah. So that's why she can't sleep soundly at night, and he still can. For example. Well, because he hasn't been there. He hasn't if been he goes, there. If he goes there, he might. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. he's, he hasn't been sleeping soundly since book one anyway, so that's his problem. Well, and, and really, like, I feel like this is one of those things that kind of, I don't know, I wish we had seen more of, uh, you know, and maybe there's more opportunity later. But I mean, it, we could say it's even a short loop in the sense that I think this will destroy you. P.S. Like you said, it does by mm -hmm. the end of the book, because 
him getting to Chichen Itza sets up everything else that quote unquote destroys him, right? Mm-hmm. But other than that, has he even used it outside of changes? Nope. And didn't have any ghost story. Like, got it. Got it back. Haven't really had, hasn't used it at all. Yeah, haven't just, really had the need for it, and or the right. He hasn't. I mean, he may. I my guess, and I don't know if this is going because I don't think he's going to use it. In, well, he might use it in Mirror Mirror, but it seems more like the kind of thing that's going to come up again when he has to cross over to the Never Never on the island. If sure. and when that comes up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Martin and Susan wake up and they're talking. Yeah, they about slide the- down and like Martin hits the floor. <laughs> are, we, are, we, are, we are, we are we doing the three minutes ago thing again? Yeah. I think he's doing yeah, Oh my goodness, it's an echo through time. That's <laughs> how significant it is. Multiple times. So is it gonna happen today? Yesterday or tomorrow? And sorry, yes. New book. Um, okay, so they wake up and Harry's done the thing. Yes, but they're talking about needing to get on a plane and go to Nevada, and he says, "Or you could just walk fifteen minutes." Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You and, bastard! And, you, know it all. you don't understand. Even if we could get there, it's still going to take all this time to figure out the guards' rotation and all this other stuff. And he's like, "Boy, did I have a crayon and a notebook paper!" Wow. And binoculars. Binoculars are awesome. Yes. Yep. And uh, yeah, they they were kind of mad at him for being um, dramatic, but he still had the information faster than they did. And in this time when they were unconscious, he made the potions, so the flying potions. Right. Yeah. They they were mad at him for a minute, but they had time for that because he just cut like days out of their whole thing. So yeah. Um, so they go off to the storage facility, or they're talking about it at least. I want to. No, one point in this is when Harry's describing the security there is that their armed guards are running around with those weird tiny little assault rifles and Molly points up and says, carbines. And that's actually the moment that I wanted to do the Gears Guns Gadgets episode because I didn't know what the hell a carbine was. Ah, there you yeah. go. So I had to go look it up and I figured there's other people who didn't know it either. So let's make a comprehensive list. And that's when we started <laughs> counting the glass shards in in uh, blood rights. So that's how we got to that point. And how the long, of- okay, short side track. How long has it been since the last Gears and Gadgets? I don't don't ask questions. <laughs> it's just the last time we'll speak of it, so. It's been a while. <laughs> it was before you added new people to the show. That is true. Also true, yep. Yeah, we should voice that off onto you guys. That's a great idea. <laughs> I'm, happy. Went, but- I'm happy to delegate that to Ben. <laughs> Yeah, it's never going to happen. So like I said, that's the last time we'll talk about it. So they go to Nevada. Yes. Because that's where you keep secret things in the middle of nowhere in America. So where, you know, you can have armed guards with carbines. And Harry's made flying potions that he watered down. So they mostly don't squish themselves because uh, what does he say? Would be aeromancers or does he call them something else? Um, That's pretty close to it, I think. Okay. Yeah, but basically, you know, if you suck at flying, you, so it's, uh, it's, it's like the old wisdom, right? Um, if at first you don't succeed, skydiving's not for you. So, mm, yeah, before they actually get to Nevada, um, they have the, Susan has a conversation with Harry about how Molly having the hots for Harry and Harry calls her dumb. 
and Susan has a, a minor emotional breakdown and Martin tells him off. He's like, I would really fucking appreciate it. You not giving her emotional reaction right now. We're about to go into combat. Is this where we find out about the jigsaw puzzle? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. This so, is when they describe yeah. the fact they have to right put before they together. go through the portal. Yeah. Right. They had um, to put together the family so they could find out that that baby Maggie was actually taken, mm -hmm. which is heavy, you know. Yeah, and all the while they're trying not to like eat the dead bodies. Right. Right. Good yeah. times. Mm -hmm. I mean, really though, a flashback scene where it's like, it's like one of them munching on a finger, like wait, stop it. <laughs> right. I just can't help but think like. Like, pragmatically, I don't know, whereas, like, it's only if you kill someone feeding on them that you change. You, you could take a snack. I mean, they're dead. I can't imagine it would help the blood loss to eat real people. Right. This is what makes you a bad person. Like, so, in America, this is not okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, what, what do you do up in the Czech Republic with your, like, old world ways is just... I mean, really, Transylvania was the easy slide in there, but okay. So in any case, like, I feel like Susan, again, kind of did a lot of this to herself, bringing up the whole Molly thing. And to quote another meme, stop trying to make Molly happen. Molly's not going to happen, you know, yeah. at least now until the, the winter lady thing. At, at that point, I'm like, yeah, a lot of the arguments kind of get pulled. I don't. I still don't think he's going to do it. The whole, like, boss, you know, client yeah. relationship is still there like but both <laughs> student and boss at the same time which are kind of two things people generally don't like also but it's it's more like at the end of the day i just don't think harry's gonna he wouldn't do that to michael period you know so that that's all the evidence i would ever need where it's just like you know everything about this situation could be different but as long as she's michael's daughter it's not gonna happen so. And I find it telling that in this book, Susan brings it up and Murphy both, like, they say, it's like, yeah, she's been into you for years and Harry has refused to acknowledge it. That's kind of telling. Well, but some of it, they, they like, play it off sometimes, like, Harry doesn't know, but Harry's not letting it happen, period. You know, like, he's known her since she was you know, in grade school for crying out loud. Like that's all sorts of gross and weird. And I, it's really weird that the female characters bring it up, you know, like in a way it feels like when Thomas brings it up, right. Where he's just like, you know, I just wanted to make sure you're not blind, deaf and dumb, you know, like that sort of thing. But in this case, it's even more weird because like Murphy has to know about the relationship. Even Susan should know because Michael was there in grave peril. Right. You know, so it just, yeah, they all they all can see that she has feelings. He's refusing sure. to let it happen or really acknowledge that it's there because it would be wrong. Right. And is just constantly reiterating that it's not going to happen, even right. though yeah, she has feelings. Yeah, well he said the same thing about being the winter night and look how that turned out. Stop it. <laughs> okay. Maybe they're trying to keep it strung along because that no, never mind. Stop. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Uh, blah blah blah. Okay, Nevada. They go to Nevada. Yay! They they do the moonwalk down down the slope. Uh, Harry Fuego's the thing. They cut the fence. He throws a potion at a dog to make it not sniff stuff. He blows up all the cars, like all of the cars. People run out in their underwear. They sneak in the base. Uh, he he did hex the one guard tower, you know, so that guy was deaf and then couldn't talk into his radio. 
they get in, they look for metacapacitors, but all they find is those furry jackets and a few other things that are totally not going to come back later. Well, um, so Harry thinks they immediately have to get into the storage room because that's where important things are. And Susan points out, we don't need to get into it. We just need to know what they are. So she goes into the administration room where all of the paper is, although she doesn't realize that there's going to be paper because paperless offices. Right. And that is a myth. There's the paperless a, office. Yeah. Office. No. My There's office no doesn't have paper in it. Really? I mean, post notes maybe, but like my physical office, I'm not saying that our company or whatever doesn't use it, but. <laughs> I don't know. Like I know that the company I work for, we try to not have paper. That's why we have databases and crap. We still have to print out way too much shit. Fair enough. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I think tech related, like even 10 years ago when like, when I worked in web development, we had very little paper except for like contracts. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. Yeah, I I work with a ton of paper. I'm pretty sure my office kills more trees than the rest (laughs) of the country combined. Jersey. (laughs) I thought he was from like Utah or something. What? Who are you confusing? Because he says I'm from different countries all the time. Yeah, oh, but I say, you know, you're trying to use cleverly history. and you're, yeah. you don't. Hey, we got 13 minutes. Are we doing this or what? <laughs> you know the answer to that okay. question. The answer is no. Okay, so what? anything else happened in Nevada that we care about? I mean, they uh, run dude over with a truck, the truck, right? Yeah, they stole yeah. the truck, which was great. great. Um, Martin was doing the Han Solo thing again. Just wanted to point that out. The whole door, you know, open, close, open, close. Oh, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they figure out it's got to be within two days of Nevada. Right. Which, is which sucks because that still doesn't narrow it down a whole lot, but apparently that includes Mexico. Spoilers. So, yeah. And later, he's like, there's somewhere in Mexico. It's great. Where? Mexico is a big place. Right. Well, and honestly, this what is one of those things that you think like Harry would figure some of this out, right? Like, let's narrow down what we know even before going to Batarang, which is going to happen somewhat shortly, right? They're within two days, probably puts them in Mexico. You could guess that because that's where the Red Court's power base is, right? They're going to do a big effing ritual involving human sacrifice. That probably narrows it down to a couple of ritual sites in two days of the border of Mexico. Like, how many of those are there are we talking about? Like, mm. Well when talking one. about ancient civilizations and the ones that are in Mexico, there might be a double-digit number amount. Within two days of Nevada? Probably. Because I think, that uh, for example, to... like Mexico City is within reach of that. Is it? I thought Chichen Itza, like Mexico City's like central north, right? And Chichen Itza's north of that. He fucking used Google Maps for this, I'm sure. Of course he no, did. I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I think no, he just, could have been... I Google narrowed Maps it down to like it's low, exactly 48 hours. I feel like he could have narrowed it down to, like, low single digits. That's that's all I'm yeah. saying. So, but, no, of course, hope is... Oh, all hope is lost, so... Man, it's a, it's no, exactly I, 48 hours. The Chichen Itza is on, the, uh, on that peninsula. It's not really central north of the main body of Mexico. It's that peninsula that juts out into uh, the Mexican yeah. Gulf. Yeah, Chichen Itza is further away by far, especially if going by, like, car. Which well, they it's only like, like a truck. minutes, man. So. 
At that point, just swim from Louisiana. Yeah, it's out in the the Yucatan. Okay. What happens in the Yucatan stays in the Yucatan. You know, like dogs. That's what makes the world news. Okay. So they figure out Mexico. They go back to the apartment and they meet Mrs. Spunklecreef. Right. Who is delightfully deaf. Delightfully. Yeah, as opposed to obnoxiously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, the way she repeats, like, basically repeats what has just been said, like, it's her idea all the time, makes me think she's just doing it on purpose. Like, Ben, it's great. So (laughs) She's a classic old person, so... Okay. That's it. That so, was that was the thing of the I, that's, that's dude. We got too many things to cover. Do we want to? <laughs> ben, will you play the old person so we can lampoon this out already? So, all right. Well, so what? When is it here where he talks to Ebenezer, or is there more? Oh, no, first he gets the notes. Yes, Bunkle Creef gives mail, which was the note from Steed and Steed Lucio. and Lucio. Right. right. Yeah. Which he, he references, and that's why he knows that, uh, you know, the letter's legit, and she's got her perfume on it, which makes it more legit. And she says, if you have received this message so that I have been incapacitated, this message will self-destruct and... So, yeah. And Steed capitalizes all sorts of words just because he can, and he's English, right. and says that shit is happening at the White Council... And I never really thought of it before, but when I was re-listening it to this time, the way that he describes the fracturing that's going on with the White Council, Gray Council, people, Ramirez, and it's like been in jailed and crap like that. If right. they didn't interrupt the ritual and Ariana got to do the bloodline curse and kill Ebenezer, right. that would have absolutely caused that civil war between the white councils because they wouldn't have known how or why it happened. They would have just known that the gray council faction lost someone way too crucial, someone on the senior council. It happened via magic. Someone broke the first law and it had to have been the other side. Maybe. Um, I mean, they know that Harry does what he does. It's, and he's, dies so right yeah, I feel like they, would they wouldn't have known they all they would have seen is uh, ebenezer's heart burst out of his chest and die you, and they wouldn't have known who did it or why you gotta think though vaterung's on the great council right so he he would have known so mm, not in time i mean we we could make arguments about him telling everybody but you know like i i don't know because i think they're i mean they're high level wizards they're some of them are you know, cynical or jumpy or something like that. But there, it's not like, you know, the, the Morgan situation, right, was so obviously painted that it was like, if, more, you know, like to the point that Harry brings it up, right? It's so obvious even Harry says it. So, you know, the whole, like, if they had disappeared Morgan, then that would have kept the senior council on tilt the entire time. In this case, they would have lost their main bruiser, and then, you know, with Harry and Ramirez and a few other notables out of the mix, like, I mean, Lucio, right? She Even she's off the field. Like, you've got nobody, no senior-level warden of any kind. 
you know, so it would have been enough for the red court to just get in. And I mean, if Christos is still on the inside, like, did he set something up like Archangel where they were going to be able to get in, start killing everybody in Edinburgh? Right. Like, Whether Christos you know. is, is aware and planning this stuff to happen or he's just the oblivious pawn, they had already set up the conflict inside the White Council to be so fractious that I think that they would have killed themselves within a couple of days if Ariana got her ritual to go off. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, because Ebenezer thinks that he's, you know, like Ebenezer and Harry think that Christos is not just, you know, criminally stupid. He's actually Black Council, right? They mm. they say it Either that because they talk about it at the end of, of Turncoat mm. that, you know, it was a multi-pronged gambit where you get this is one of the first times they actually acknowledge that this is a thing that people are doing and it becomes more and more, you know, right? You see Mab do it and so forth, but they actually talk about how even if the good guys won they got their guy in that's why yeah. they went well, after i think they settled on or at least in general they settled on the viewpoint of thinking of kind of like rudolph like he's incompetent and he's obviously looking out just for himself it, you know he's so he's playing for the wrong yeah. side he's self-interest right and he probably thinks he's smarter than he is but he's and not necessarily black hat evil that's yeah. and that's a very apt description right he could just be the worst guy for the position, you know, would be bad enough instead of actively working against them, even though he is, but yeah. you know, cause if the, if the main goal is to weaken the council like that, um, there was no reason not to have seceded with a third of the council. Like he was threatening to be able to do because they're still at war. It's a crippling blow. There's no reason to just stay and be involved in the internal politics if you still want. might want to be seen as the good guy in order to get more or be able to stay and be more destabling over the long period of time. Maybe. I mean, like once but, you succeed like that, that's kind of a nuclear reaction. Sure. But I mean, that's the, if the point is to destroy the council actively, I mean, you had your you had an mm. avenue right there. An avenue. But I think it's more poisonous to stay for longer to do it over the forever time period. Well, maybe, but based on what you're saying, it's not really that forever. It's just a couple of months until they pull off a bloodline curse and swoop in. Yeah. And that potentially risks, I mean, civil war, yeah, but there's also the possibility of a galvanizing effect. You lose Ebenezer and uh, certain other members, and then you see the person who's been causing the strife, maybe you start losing some support because now you've turned against people, even though you've now gotten power and resolved your block. Right. So, either way. Okay. Harry takes the news badly that the White Council will not be able to help, and he almost uh, loses control of the fireplace that he's looking at. Right. And has to retreat down to the lab to find people instead of groups of people. Right. Persons. Persons, yeah. yeah. So he calls up and he's Yep. And Who tells him, you know, stow your shit. There's bigger things at play here. Come meet yeah. up with us. The numbers yeah. argument again. Mm -hmm. But this is heavy, though, because he fucking knows. Like, that's the thing that, like, I didn't put all like, the way together in. Because Harry told him already. No, he tells mm -hmm. him later. He tells yeah. him the second time they talk. When they're yeah. in the limo. Yeah, he gets, he's about to... He's a he's maybe about to tell him, but Ebenezer shuts him up with yeah, his. I think he's about to say it, and then Ebenezer's like, "No, you listen to me, boy." 
Right. And then later when he's calling them again through uh, after they play like Barbie doll dress up Leah and Susan and he calls them in the in the limo. And then he's like, right. oh, by the way, this is your granddaughter, even though I don't know you're my grandfather yet right. or great granddaughter. Hmm. So. All right. At this point, it's still just a rational like you're being stupid. Yeah, it's a kid and it's a tragedy. But I mean, come on, we have priorities here. Yeah. And yeah, then which... family. Yeah, still kind of sucks because like Ebenezer knows him, right? So, but he is kind of dismissing it because I think Ebenezer's worried about it being a civil war type of situation, right? So he's like, "No, we need all hands on deck." And at a minimum to, of losing the advantage that they finally had after all these years, potentially whatever their plan was about to be. The numbers yeah. argument that they're all bringing up is a valid one. It just doesn't weigh up when it's your own child. Well there's a lot going into it right so i mean if we want to have the entire multi-hour discussion about the train <laughs> problem the trolley problem we can do that but you know like it's also short-sighted compared to what we know in hindsight from the book right you know like if if everybody had been right that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the mm -hmm. one gotta quote star trek sorry so anyway if if they had been right right it would have been the end of everything you know, so like Harry once again, right. I'm saying it's a valid argument. Sure. It's, you know, utilitarian. It makes the most sense and so forth and so on. But Harry once again is ready to go to war over one life because there's nothing, you know, less, you know, you would never do anything less than that is go to war for that. So it's, it's grave peril all over again as well. Right. Where it's like, you know, for one, for one life, for one loved soul, yeah, I would go to war for that. And he has. And the fucking vampires know it <laughs> because that's how this whole thing started, you know. Um, that's why they did it. So it Hardly just, anyway. yeah. Good times. Mm -hmm. All right. We are at an hour and a half and we are at chapter 19. Yeah, so this is before they go to Vatarung if we want to. Put a right. on it for now. First Marcone, then Vateron this time. Mm -hmm. So well, first, the Mar first Ivy, then Marcone, then true. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we're talking to people's. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good place. Then that flows pretty nicely and is one of the better sequences in the book in this first half. So we can start with that next time. Is that what you're thinking? It, apparently, yeah. Okay. okay. Chapter 19 for everyone who wants to follow along, which people are crazy, but they seem to want to. <laughs> Chapter 19 uh, for everyone who doesn't want to follow along. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, okay, um, so the outro. Well, that, this has been our presentation of Broken Jars Network. Uh, the Dresden Files podcast. Watch us. Subscribe. Uh, there are other podcasts affiliated with the Broken Jars Network, including... Uh, but not uh, I wish we had the Office one. Great Scott. It's about the Office. It's almost Great over. Scott. The Great Scott podcast. Yeah, the Great Scott podcast, where they uh, go over the Office. It's wonderful. Uh, there's also High Fantasy on hiatus, but check out the back, back, uh, the back episodes. There's also what's the oh, oh, Sim he's Talk. having a stroke. Sim <laughs> Talk, where he's, they he's still on the part with the cocoons. He's the Sim <laughs> Talk, where they talk about simulations, exactly professional simulations, not Sim City. Uh, it's actually uh, apparently doing pretty well for itself, as I've said every time. Uh, yeah, so. If you like and to, isn't there now a D and D one that's way too yeah, fucking early? Uh, like Dun Dungeon Master podcast, name to be determined. I think uh, it's it's got... DM Anonymous or something because 
Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what he called it. Um, I think it's DM Anonymous. Forthcoming too soon. Something as soon as Peace Talks is out. I think it, I've, I'm not. We haven't. We were supposed to be this weekend apparently, but I think we're doing. We haven't set a date, but probably next weekend. Awesome. During the first episode. It's so what I think is interesting is that uh, when Leah shows up, it gives Harry some hope about. No, sorry. So, uh, director, where can people go to find out about how to subscribe and listen to? Yeah, I told you he had a stroke. He lost all of the URLs. What? It's what? not a complicated URL. Would you say XYZ. Hey, are you Canadian now? Oh, he's the Fonz. 